On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about operating at a level higher than where you're currently at and the power of calling out your own bullshit. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 130 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, let me begin here. I have not had a lot of sleep. We'll come on to that in a minute. But I am probably a little bit rusty today. So forgive me if things feel slower. Forgive me if things feel less sharp. I'm sure you'll be lovely and tell me that it's fine. But I'm feeling the effects of a lack of sleep. Um, And that's kind of why I'm recording this episode a little bit earlier than I normally would. There's actually two reasons. The first reason is exactly that. Uh, I set my alarm for what I thought was earlier than usual this morning, right? I said it for half seven, I was going to wake up early, uh, try and shift my sleeping pan slightly ahead of the darker months to take advantage of this good sunlight. So went to bed at like half 12, planned to wake up at half seven. So I was already cutting it shorter than I should have done sleep wise. And then for some reason, my body woke me up at like 6.25. It was daylight outside. I was wide awake. I could feel the cortisol rushing through my body. I recognized at that point that I was not going to be getting back to sleep. So I just got up and I came to the office very early. And so I feel like I've been here for a lifetime already. Uh, It's quarter past three in the afternoon right now. So that's reason number one, why I'm recording early. Reason number two is that later on today, I'm going to be sitting down with Tiago Forte of Forte Labs, author of Building a Second Brain, to have, honestly, one of the most exciting conversations I think I'll have in this podcast. It's very niche. It's not like crazy extravagant storytelling, but it is a really useful system that Tiago has created that will definitely, definitely apply a lot of value to your life. That's not going to be out for another three to five weeks. I'm not sure when exactly, uh, but I'm really excited about that conversation. That's happening at 6 p.m. tonight. Um, And it's, it's an interesting highlight of the fact that as this podcast continues to grow, as I reach out to more guests who aren't based in the UK... I'm going to have to get used to these evening time recordings, right? I think 6pm in the UK is probably the earliest time that I can sensibly expect somebody over in the US to be up and awake and ready to podcast. Uh, It was a similar drill with Luke Burgess a couple of weeks ago, and I can just see it happening a lot more. Um, Any of the other overseas guests I've had so far prior to Luke were in mainland Europe, right? So they're an hour ahead, two hours ahead, this kind of thing, completely fine having to work around the kind of eight hour time difference that we're working with here is something that I'm going to have to get used to. And so getting used to guest conversations that don't happen at 9am or midday or 1pm, but actually quite far into the evening, uh, this conversation with Tiago. And of course, my conversation a few weeks ago with Luke are just a good practice run for that. Hopefully though, when I have to do late conversations in the future, I would have had more sleep because By all accounts, Tiago Forte is one of the sharpest minds around, right? He's literally written a book about how to build a second brain, how to store uh, and categorize and make use of and express vast amounts of knowledge. He is going to be on fire during this call we're having later. I might not be, so I need to get more sleep in between doing those things. 
Um, that conversation I mentioned a minute ago with Luke Burgess, that'll be out in two weeks time. No, that'll be out next week. I told you today won't be sharp. That'll be out next week. Um, that was a really fun one to record all about mimetic desire. You'll find out more about that next week, so I won't go into it in too much detail. It's an interesting subject, but I didn't expect that conversation to be so much fun exploring some of the hypotheticals around the effects of mimetic desire and really digging into different use cases in life. Really fun conversation, had a lot of um, interesting responses from Luke, so that was great. And of course, since last time we spoke, you would have heard my conversation from last week with Carol Walker, all about the secrets of the Westminster Press Pack and how the behind the scenes news architecture works in this country when it comes to political stories. Of course, although I purposely didn't ask Carol to go into any very heavily political stories, such as the downfall of Boris Johnson, you can kind of connect two and two together and listen to how that world works and where stories come from, and then apply that to what may have been going on behind the scenes a few weeks back. So that was an interesting and a topical one. Uh, and the last thing to say on guests is I told you that last week's episode would have been with Natasha Tatarin from The Payoff. Uh, she had to move things for a few weeks, so I'll be recording that maybe next week, maybe in a few weeks' time. So that conversation will be coming, just not yet. So apologies for you getting a curveball of an episode last week from somebody who you weren't expecting. Uh, but there we go. Um, it's been a busy few weeks. It always has. I don't need to tell you that. Um, I think just after... I published last week's episode. I went to see Lewis Capaldi at Cardiff Castle. That was a lot of fun. And then I went home to Corby the next day, spent a few days in Corby and came back to Wales last night. I've just been working. I was saying this to a friend of mine yesterday, actually, when I sent them a voice note at like 11 p.m. when I got home. The last few weeks have just been nonstop um, between onboarding new clients with Pata, uh, trying to make this stuff work with the podcast, trying to reach more guests, just trying to explore ways to make the most out of the rest of this year. And then you would have seen things like relaunching, producing TikToks and reels and all this stuff, because I realized that there's no top of funnel for this podcast right now. I'm producing the middle of funnel, i.e. the long form content. But to get more people into that, I need to be producing more things like tweets and TikToks and Instagram reels and all that stuff. Um, and so as much as it is a lot of effort, I've been leaning into that. And as a result, other than Saturday, when I had a proper day off and it was really cool, actually, like had a great day, saw a few people. Other than Saturday, this last few weeks has just been nonstop. Um, and so I'm going to keep this one quick. But the first thing I want to tell you about, the first thing I want to talk about is a conversation I had when I was back in Corby with a chap called Patrick Pinto. Uh, Pat is a former client of ours, him and Matt Miller. They were the co-founders of Simple Treats, a business which they then sold. Uh, and they're now working on a company called Really Clever. You may have seen them in the sun recently. You may have heard them on a few podcasts. Those guys are doing incredible things, but they're also from Corby, right? So there I was a few days ago on my way back from getting lunch at Morrison's. I'm driving down the road and I see this guy that I recognize in a car park, like near some shops. And I figured, I'm sure that was Pat. So I give him a call. He doesn't answer. <laughs> so I, uh, I drive into the car park and I park next to him. And I said this to Pat at the time. He is one of maybe four people on the planet who I know that when I see him, I'm going to have an incredible conversation. He's going to throw questions at me. He's going to make me think about things that I perhaps hadn't thought about. And it's always just a really great, chat. And so we got talking, we must've spoke for, I don't know, an hour or an hour and a half. Like it was, it was a long lunch break in the end. Um, but one of the things that we got speaking about most was 
what have I learned through this process of doing the podcast and kind of what am I trying to to prove to myself now? What am I trying to do now? And the single answer I could come up with is a bit of a strange one, I think, but it's true. It is that in all that I try and do in this self-development space, be it publicly facing, i.e. this podcast or any of the other content I produce, or whether it's private and introspective and stuff that nobody ever hears or sees, I'm just trying to call myself out on my bullshit. And this goes back to maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, if you read the foreword to Peter Watson's book that I wrote maybe this time last year, and I shared that on my Instagram story recently, I tell a story in that foreword of when I was younger, I pretended to be somebody who I wanted to be, right? I was trying to be the finished product, the the person who could go and, in the case of the foreword, give a talk to a group of university students when I was like 19 at the time and I had nothing to talk about. But I didn't mind because I was willing to kind of fake it until I make it to a ridiculous extent that actually just ended up with me looking a bit silly, right? And so in the years since then, as I've tried to actually improve as a person, actually build charisma and actually build confidence and become the person that I one day want to be, because this is all a building journey, something I've had to learn to do more and more is call out my own bullshit to look inward at things that I want and ask whether I'm heading in the right direction for them. Look outward at things I say and test whether I am actually following the advice that I sit on things like this podcast and give, right? Uh, and I was talking to Pat about how it's really useful to be able to listen back to episodes from maybe a year ago or two years ago, or even as recently as a few weeks ago. Listen to where my mind was at at the time. Listen to almost the micro tasks that I told you that I was going to be doing or the things I had set myself to move forward towards, and then ask whether I'm actually doing them. And then if we zoom out to things like the yearly goals, which I did when I was in Dublin back in December, ask whether I'm actually moving towards them because it feels great to make goals, right? We all love sitting there and telling everyone what we're going to do. It's a completely different kettle of fish when you get around to having to actually do it. And um, the example I came up with, and this is quite a funny one, was dating, right? Because I mean, I, I make no secret of it. I would like to have a family one day, right? And that is a goal that I'm happy to talk about. I'm happy to share. But then when I look inward privately and I ask whether I'm doing anything to fucking move towards that goal, because I'm a big believer that goals don't move towards you. You have to move towards them, right? And the same is true in business. The same is true in finance. The same is true in fitness, whatever it might be. A few months ago, I realized that I was doing fuck all in that area of my life. Nothing whatsoever to move towards that eventual goal of one day getting married and having kids and all this stuff, right? I was doing nothing. And so I had two choices at that point, right? I could either just not talk about it. Because if I don't mention it on this podcast, well, you're not going to know. And then I can just kind of keep this public persona. Or I could look inwards really deeply and almost stare myself in the mirror, call out the bullshit, the kind of disconnect between what I want and my actions, and then use this podcast as a platform to document the process of moving forwards on that, right? And that's not to say that this is going to become fucking Love Island with me talking about going on dates. But the point is, what did I do once I had that realization? Because I'm accountable to myself as a result of this podcast. Uh, well, I read a bunch of books, which seems like a weird thing to do when it comes to dating, but it helped, right? I read How Not to Die Alone by Logan Yuri. I read Sorry, I'm Let I Don't Want to Come by Jessica Pan. I started to learn about the 
I guess, the excuses that I had created for myself as to why I wasn't getting out there and meeting new people and why they are nonsense, right? Whether it's, I'm too busy, whether it's, oh, I'm just not ready at this point in my life. All of that stuff is nonsense because there is such a gap between meeting somebody new for the first time and, you know, that eventual goal of getting married that anything in the middle I have since learned just kind of works itself out, right? That's not to say that I've made any decent progress yet, but my point is there is never a wrong time to start with this kind of stuff. And that would have been me bullshitting myself further, right? So I did that. Um, I made a new Tinder account. I went on a bunch of dates. I probably met like six people, five or six people in the last few months. Um, they're all lovely. Hasn't gone anywhere with any of them, but that's not the point. The point is that the thing that this podcast has taught me, because I can now listen back to 130 episodes of me documenting my force, is that there are two very clear paths when it comes to even making or not making a change in life. Path one is you spot something you don't like about yourself and you kind of sweep it under the rug, right? And I can go back to episode six and I can probably find something two and a half years ago that I said I wanted to do, that I said I wanted to change and I didn't. Actually, I can think of something right now. The whole adapting backwards thing that I spoke about, the idea of looking at my life and choosing to pick particular areas that don't matter that much to regress, to save money and also make the nicer things nice, right? I spoke about that two and a half years ago. Have I done anything about it? Not really, no. So that's path one where you can see your own bullshit and choose to ignore it because none of us are really that accountable to anybody but ourselves. But then path two, what this podcast has taught me, or this whole community of people I now know who hold each other accountable has taught me, is that the best way to make progress and actually reach the things you want in life is to take that uncomfortable route of calling out your bullshit, even when nobody else knows, right? Nobody knows my goals in life, really, but I know them. And I know my actions every single day. And so it's really easy to make a calculation as to whether those two things are in alignment, whether those two things, you know, goal and action are connected. And if they're not, like I say, two options, number one, ignore it, go nowhere, two and a half years later, no progress. Or number two, just take the uncomfortable route, call yourself out and do something about it. And I use the example of dating, not because it's particularly significant in my life right now, but rather because it's what I happened to say to Pat. But there will never be a right time for any of these things, right? And if we believe that there will be a right time, we're lying to ourselves. I literally recorded a real way TikTok about this last night. The idea that if you think there will be a right time for you to take that leap in whatever it might be, and you're waiting for that time, you should find a massive clue in the fact that you have been on this planet for so many years and you haven't found that right time. The right time hasn't come. You haven't found the confidence. You haven't got enough money. You haven't got enough time, whatever it might be. You need to begin in spite of that because if not finding areas of inadequacy, I laugh because some people would say that this is toxic self-improvement, but if you're not finding areas that you want to improve and using this limited time you have on the planet to try and chip away at them, to try and live a more meaningful life, but then what is the point, right? That is life. Is life not this thing where we should kind of reach outwards and try and grab as much of it as we can because we know that it'll end one day? And so I think that that's the thing that this podcast has taught me. Like I say, those chats with Pat, <laughs> they get deep. We were sat in a car park outside of a Morrison's local. Um, but that's the thing, right? You find a thing you don't like, you spot it, you call it out, you build upon it, you improve it, you review, you go again. Sorry, there will be a non-subtle cut there. I just ended up 
choking on nothing for about a minute. I think I'm okay now. Um, but yeah, that's that. Um, and then something else I want to talk about. I've already hinted at it and I've also told you the reasons why I'm doing it, right? I'm producing more TikToks and I'm producing more reels and all this stuff. And you may have seen on my Instagram story the other day that I came into the office last night when I got back to Wales and I set up the little setup I have here in the meeting room to record those videos. And I recorded a few with a slightly different style of lighting because I'm just trying things out right now to see what works in those algorithms and what doesn't. And it was this weird, as I called it, it looked like I'd been held hostage. Like it was this directly front lit, nothing in the background, quite overexposed, high contrast, weird setup, right? And I thought I'd try it and I'd see what's what. And so I bashed out maybe seven reels, uh, filmed them all, edited one, posted it. And everything inside of me was saying it's fine. Just, Just ignore the fact that it looks a bit shit, right? TikToks are very throwaway. This whole process is iterative. The reason I'm doing all of this is because I want to learn how to do it better. And so if there is a shit video, cool, just get on with it. But I couldn't. And this is so interesting, right? Because this, as I, as I look into it, this explains so many of the things I do in life, I think, right? I was sat there at like 10 to 12, just before I put my phone away last night to go to sleep. And I pulled up TikTok and I looked at the video again and I looked at the lighting and I just thought, I don't like that. It's not good enough. It doesn't meet that, that standard that I expect of myself for this kind of content, right? So I deleted it, deleted the video, went onto Instagram, deleted it from there. And then when I got into the office today, I did about two or three hours worth of work, got the important stuff out of the way that I needed to get done this morning. And then I came back into the meeting room. And I changed the lighting a little bit and I spent 45 minutes recording all of that content again. Now, look, that might seem irrational because if you go and look at my TikTok right now, I have 27 followers, most of which probably don't see the videos, right? There is nobody watching on there right now. Basically zero people. If you really round it down to who's actually seeing those videos in the timeline, nobody would have seen that video. And if they did, most people probably wouldn't have cared about the lighting. Most people wouldn't have stayed on it for long enough to even notice the lighting. But this connects to a philosophy that I try and stick to in all areas of life. And that's why I say it kind of reveals more about the way I see life than just a TikTok, which is that it is my belief that you need to be operating at the level that you want to be at rather than the level you're currently at, right? And we have done this for years as a business, right? We are exceptionally good at development and we have been ever since before we needed to be. We are very thorough when it comes to research and strategy as an agency, even though our peers, i.e. the agencies around us here in Wales, for the most part, really aren't. We go to great lengths to make sure that our clients succeed and that we're doing all that we can to make sure that their marketing is effective, right? I speak about the poster outside behind me on a mission to become the most effective business growth agency on the planet. We are working at a level higher than what we really need to. We could get away, frankly, with doing less. Our bills would still get paid. Our clients would still get results. But we operate at the level we one day want to be at, i.e. the most effective business growth agency on the planet, rather than just another marketing agency. And I do the same with all areas of life, right? When I am, and I'll admit I haven't been for months, but when I am leaning into health and fitness, I will really go at it. I will have a structured 
training plan in a spreadsheet and I'll track every set and every rep and every weight and I will record my weight every day and I'll find weekly averages and I'll record water intake and track macros and make sure I'm eating clean foods. And I'll do all of these things, not because they reflect my current physique, but because they reflect how you get to the physique you want, right? And when it's in fitness, that makes perfect sense and everybody understands it. It's why diets are so big because we understand that you need to eat fewer calories to lose weight or eat more calories to gain weight. We understand that the the outcome is a lagging measure of the input. And yet when it's a TikTok account with 27 followers, it seems less sensible. But I am genuinely of the belief that I will not get past 27 followers, maybe not literally, but if I produce content that's a bit half-assed, that I'm not really happy with, that could have been better, that's a bit shoddy, I literally do not deserve to get more followers, right? These algorithms don't care about my feelings. And the same is true in most other areas of life, right? These people who are gatekeepers to you are looking at what you can offer to them. The whole world is looking at what you can do and what you can be and what you can offer. And while some people will nurture your talent and kind of bring you in and incubate you, like the world for the most part doesn't care about much other than what you can offer. And so if you want that job, you need to be operating at a level already, which would allow you to be in that job. If you want that body, you need to be eating and training and sleeping in such a way that you are living the life of somebody who already has that body. You need to operate above where you currently are if you ever want to get there. And like I say, it seems really obvious in some areas of life and perhaps less obvious in others. Um, so I just thought it was worth mentioning. And then just a quick one, because I'll probably dive into this more with Tiago in that episode, which you'll hear in a few weeks time. But there's a really interesting question posed in Building a Second Brain, which is Tiago's book, as I said, which is, and I've heard this elsewhere before, I'm sure, but when you're faced with a either a challenge or a set of circumstances that you need to overcome, to get to where you want to go in life, right? Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Ask yourself the question, what would this look like if it were easy? And although Tiago doesn't go into much detail of why he picks that particular question in the book, it's just kind of a passing comment. I can't credit it to who I've heard it from before because I can't remember, but it's a really powerful method, right? Because if you look at all of the challenges that you face in your day-to-day life, some of them are bloody hard to overcome. But it's because for the most part, at least, we don't have that pause. We don't take a moment to stop and reflect and ask yourself what would truly be the easiest or the the most efficient way to solve this problem. And there are things like actually going to the gym is a great example, right? What would this look like if it were easy? Um, I don't go to the gym now, as you know, being shoddy with it. When I did go to the gym incredibly consistently, without even realizing it, I asked myself that question. I said, what would it look like if, if this was easy by virtue of the fact that I signed up to a new gym next to the only electric charging point in this area when I had an electric car in the winter and needed to charge it every day. So then I had made it so easy to go to the gym because I had to be next door to the gym every single day. And I just think I'm going to, I'm going to be quick on this one. Cause like I say, I might touch note of Tiago and if not, I'll pick it up another week, but that single question look at a challenge you have, look at a obstacle you're trying, trying to overcome. And for a moment, ignore the obvious answer, ignore the way you're currently doing it, ignore what you've been told for just a moment and ask yourself, what would this look like if it were easy? I think that's really powerful. I think that is everything I have. Is that everything I have? Yes. Just checking my notes to make sure I don't miss anything. Uh, it's been a quick one this week. It has probably been a bit of a scattergun one because 
I'm just a bit tired, to be honest, but I wanted to get this out of the way so I can have a little break between this recording and this evening's recording. But thank you, as always, for listening. Next week, you're going to hear my conversation with Luke Burgess. Make sure you don't miss that one. It is very, very interesting. It's the kind of conversation that you listen to and then you see the world in an entirely different way because mimetic desire as a theory bleeds into everything and explains so much. And so if you've never heard of mimetic desire, definitely check it out. If you have, still listen because Luke is very interesting. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 131 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.